Uh, you know, kids, when they're little, they ask for crazy things. You know, things that adults say, why are you asking for that? Uh, for instance, braces. You know, some kids, all they want is braces. And parents are like, you don't want that. Trust me. Right? Um, I never had braces, but what I wanted was a birthmark. I just wanted a birthmark. Um, and I had a small one, like, on the back of my leg, but, it, like, it wasn't cool. Like, I wanted a cool one, you know, on the hand or something like that. And I don't know why. I don't know why I wanted that. But that's kind of one of the things I wish for. But only later in life you kind of find out, like, those are skin imperfections. Our society doesn't like imperfections. Therefore, you know, we don't want those kinds of things. So I get it. But there are some cool birthmarks out there, right? We had a, a neighbor. Um, uh, they moved, but a few years ago, they, we were, were hanging out, and he was a swimmer. In fact, he was, like, really into swimming. He almost made the Olympics, you know, like, this far away from touching the wall to make the Olympics. But um, they are still into swimming. You know, all their kids swim, and that's where you find them and all that. But I was looking at their middle daughter's shoulder one day, and um, I took a picture of it, and I showed it to, you know, her dad, saying, this is amazing. She has a birthmark in the shape of Speedo, the Speedo logo. Like, I'm not kidding. It was that, you know, just that little thing. But, like, how cool is that? She should, like, you just send that to Speedo. Maybe she didn't get sponsored or something. But, um, but that was a cool one. Uh, I found some online, too, just to share with you, kind of, um, just, like, they're interesting. Like, this, this one is the first one. It's uh, the shape of China. The person is carrying all of China on their back. Like, that's got to be useful at a party, you know, sometime, somewhere. Um, uh, so that's kind of fun. Here's, here's the Tom Brady fan, if you could see it. Right on his forehead, he has number 12. Like, I don't know. These could be photoshopped. I don't know. But I'm like, oh, that's kind of fun. Like, how do you not be a Tom Brady fan with that? Um, this one's a Harry Potter fan, if you could see. Kind of hard to see on this, but he has a little lightning bolt right there on his forehead. Like, that kid, you know, for every Halloween, you got to be Harry Potter, right, with that. Um, this is one that kind of makes me weird. This is the next, the weird one, is the, car the carrot uh, birthmark. And I'm, I, at first I saw that, I thought it was a tattoo. I really hope that's just a Sharpie. Like, if you went, you know, to tattoo that on, man, you're, you're living by that. And uh, it's kind of weird, kind of freaks me out. But, um, but it's interesting, right? What, what made me kind of think about all this is that in our passage, Today, uh, it talks about being born of God, right? That you are born of God and you're a new creation, all that, right? And I was thinking about this. Like, what, what if Christians had birthmarks? What if, if like, when you became a Christian, you, you, you put your faith in Jesus and then, you know, you're born again and you had a birthmark? Like, it just kind of shows up. Like, what would it be? Would it be a cross? I mean, maybe, maybe that's obvious. Uh, maybe uh, nails or an empty tomb, uh, maybe a dove, I don't know. It could be many things. If you were to ask the Apostle John, if you were to say, John, if we got birthmarks, what would it be? I, I have no doubt, no doubt in my mind that he would say it would be a heart. It would be a heart. Because those who are born in Christ, their love changes and leads their life. I have no doubt that he would say that. We've been studying the book of 1 John for now for a couple months. We are in the last chapter. We have one more week next week, and then we'll go on to 2 John and 3 John. But one thing that you've heard over and over again is the word love. 
right? I think it's in there about 30 times, about five times a chapter or so that he is, is talking about love. And again, even in our passage today, he keeps talking about how we are to love one another. This week I was talking to one of my friends and saying, I'm kind of like, this is kind of a hard book to preach, right? I mean, like when you preach through Paul, it's very linear. It kind of builds on itself and kind of moves. But John, like, it's more like a cycle. You know, he kind of keeps repeating things. And I, I told my friend, I'm like, I feel like I have preached the same sermon like four times. You know, um, that's why I'm using these weird illustrations like birthmarks <laughs> to, to prove I'm not repeating the same sermon. Um, but I, I don't want you to be, you know, kind of phase me out like, oh, you know, there, oh, that's talking about love again. I, we heard that one already. Um, but what my friend told me, he said, John is not an idiot, right? He's not dumb. Like when he's repeating these words and these concepts, again and again and again throughout his book, there's a reason for that. The reason is we need to hear it. We need not just hear it one time or two times. We need to hear it many times. See, this, uh, we talk about discipleship in the church, right? And people are like, what is discipleship? What is that? Here's the thing. We are getting discipled all the time, every day by the world. But the world is discipling us. Media and TV, advertising, songs, uh, conversations, culture, news, all these things, they're discipling us. And they're saying, this is how you are to think. This is the way of the world. This is how we live in this world. We're getting discipled all the time. But what we need to be as followers of Christ, as we live for Jesus in his kingdom, we need to be discipled in how to live in his kingdom. All right, we know how to live in the world. But how do we live as Christians in his kingdom? You know, for instance, on love. Why does John repeat it? Because our world has taught us how to love. And our world has said, you can love some people and hate others. Or you can love now and then you can hold back and withhold love. Or you can use people to make you feel loved. I mean, there's all these things that the world tells us, which we hear, and sometimes we believe. So John saying, I need to disciple you in this, and how you are to love, right? And we as Christians, we don't love some people and hate others, right? We don't turn our love on and off, right? We don't say, you're worthy, you're not worthy. We don't love that way. And so John is discipling us again and again and again and again on how we are to love in the, in the family of God, in his kingdom. And so it's important that we keep focusing on this. We keep hearing and we keep letting the scripture speak to us. And so these, this is not my hobby horse. This is not like what Ethan likes to talk about all the time. Um, I do, but importantly, this is the words of John. This is the words of the scriptures. And so we want to hear this. We want to meditate on it. And we want to let this feed us and disciple us and change our hearts to make our hearts more like Christ than of the world. Amen? All right. So today we're going we're gonna to look. And it, as, as we look at this passage, there's going to be five verses. There's five verses. But in these five verses, if, if, um, if John were to kind of explain, like, what are the three marks of a Christian? What are the three birthmarks? It's going to come down to this. Belief, Love right, and obedience. 
All right, belief, love, and obedience. And so we'll kind of work through those things and see those things in our scriptures. But may we be people that are marked by these things, that we would believe we would have faith in, in Jesus Christ and what he's done, that we will love the people that he loves and we'll be obedient to his commands. So that's what we're going to do. So the first birthmark, number one, belief. Our lives are marked by belief. They're marked by faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? It's something that brings us, belief is what brings us into the kingdom, but it's what keeps us in the kingdom. It keeps us walking with Jesus. Okay? So let's look at verses 1, and then I'll skip to verses 4 and 5. Verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. If you believe that Jesus is Christ, you are born of God. Look at verse 4 and 5. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is a son of God. So right here in this little argument, these uh, five verses, it's kind of a, we have a, a belief sandwich, right? Belief on verse 1, belief in verse 6. That's what's going to kind of hold this together, that we are brought into God's family, that we're here because of belief, right? We were born into this family. Uh, born in this family means that there was a time when we were not in the family. We were not in the family of God. We weren't alive to the things of God. Scripture tells us we were dead. We were dead to these things. So how does someone go from death to life but someone who can impart that life into them, and that was God. We see this through Scripture so many times, right? There's a lot of great verses. Paul is really nails on this. But I'm going to read Ephesians 2 just, um, just to kind of get that, that sense so you understand what I'm saying. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, for, for you, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Yes, you were alive physically, but spiritually dead. D-E-A-D, dead. Okay, to transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All right, you, you were alive to the kingdom of the world, right? Who is the ruler of the world but Satan? You were alive to him, but you were dead to Christ. That's how you lived. You lived with disobedience. You lived the way according to the world. But then something changed. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, But because of his great love for us, but because of his great love for us, may that not go in one ear and out the other. May it never. Look, because of God's great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive. In Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Why did all that happen? Because of God's rich love. Because of his mercy. So that I'm going to take you out of that kingdom and put you in my kingdom. I'm going to bring you from death to life. Forgiven, pure, holy, loved. Paul says it again in Colossians, a little less words. He says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Christ. That's what God does. He brings life into our bodies. He takes us from the kingdom of the world, puts us into his own kingdom, gives us a whole new identity, gives us birth. Right? How does all that happen? When we believe. 
Romans 10, 9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved what? From that kingdom. Right? Uh, the Philippian jailer says to Paul and Silas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They say, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Jesus said to, to Martha, at the grave for Lazarus. It said, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they must die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. We see that. How does life happen? It's because God brings into us the ability to believe. And we believe in him and we're given this new life. Everyone who's been born of God is a child of God. Everyone. Right? We're part of his family. And that's how we enter his family. But how do we grow in his family? The same way. Continue to believe. Continue to let faith grow in our lives. Continue to trust God more and more. That he is faithful. That he's loving. He's good. He's taking care of us. That's how we grow. We call that sanctification. Right? Being set apart for God's holy purpose. That's what he's doing in our life happens through faith. Now, here's, I just want to point out, maybe you heard two words. You heard belief and you heard faith, okay? Even in that passage, we see that in there. You believe, but uh, we have victory through faith, but we believe. Um, here's, here's what I want us to, this is the grammar lesson, okay? I'm not going to get, I'm not going to geek you out on Greek and all that kind of stuff, but, um, but just to, to kind of hit that, that in, in John's writing, when he wrote this, it was the same root word, Right? He uses, it's the same root word for belief and for faith. Right? For them, that, that meant something a little different than in our culture. It meant that what you believe in your mind, like it, you have faith, it changes your heart. Like you, you trust it. You, you believe it, but you follow it with everything you have. Um, uh, there is a, a, a time in, that, uh, in the in scriptures where it says, even the, the demons believe but they don't really believe. They believe in Jesus, but they don't believe him. They don't trust him, right? They don't follow him with our whole heart. But when John's writing this, he's saying, what you believe about Jesus is going to change how you live. You're going to live it out. But in our uh, English, in our language, we don't have those. It doesn't mean the same thing, right? We can believe something, but not trust it. Like, I can believe, and you can believe that Davy Crockett was a real person, that he was important with the Alamo. We can believe that, but we're, none of us are like, but I trust him. I, I give my life to him. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging on every word and everything he said. Like, it's not the same. That's why people in our culture, we can say, I believe that Jesus existed, but, but I don't, I'm not going to follow him as my Lord and Savior. But that's not the, the, the thing here. For us, we don't have this option. Like, oh, I can believe in him, but I'm not going to follow him. We believe and we follow. We let him draw our hearts, right? Not just our minds, but our hearts, our minds, our souls. We're going to believe with him, believe in him. We're going to stand with him through this all. So that's this, this mark that we have. And what does it do? In verse 4 and 5, it says, Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? The one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is our victory. 
Like, this is what gets us through to the end. The last one standing is not the one with the most toys, who has the most money. The last one who is there, who has a victory, is the one who's standing firm in their faith in Jesus Christ. That's a bold statement for John to write when he's living in the middle of Rome. Rome, they were the victors. They were the ones of the power. They had the sword. John's saying, it's not about that. That's not where the victory comes. The victory comes, it's through faith. It's through believing in Jesus Christ. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, you will be standing on that last day. That's the victory that we have. Right? Now, uh, just so we understand, that it is not that just because we have the victory doesn't mean we're the winners, everybody else is the losers. Right? That's not the mentality, and that's not, I think, if you've been following us with John, that's not what he's teaching. He's saying, you guys have the victory in Jesus Christ because he's the victor. But now, take that victory and share that with the world. Share that with others. Right? First birthmark is belief. It's that faith that we have because of what Jesus did. The second one, the second birthmark is love. Our lives are marked by love for God, love for one another. Right? As we're born into his family, we get that birthmark, the birthmark of love. Look at verse 1 and verse 2. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. All right, see that second birthmark, those who are born in God's kingdom. We are to love the father. We love the child. I love this line in there. It kind of just stood out to me in a new way, but it says, everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. It's so, like, just matter of fact. And it makes sense to us, right? I mean, we see that in life. Uh, if you are to, to, you know, if someone says, hey, dad, I love you. But I don't love mom. I don't love, you know, my brothers and sisters. Um, it would be only the most, like, strange, most, like, self-centered dad that would say, like, oh, thank you. That means so much to me, you know? Most would be like, no, that's not right. You can't do that. I don't receive that. Or if you go to your friend and say, oh, I love you so much, but I can't stand your spouse. Like, what? Like, no, that's not, that's not how it works, you don't go to a mom and say, oh, you're so beautiful. You're such a great mom, but your baby's so ugly. Been hit with an ugly stick. Like, I don't know. You know, like, that, it doesn't, you don't do, you can't do that. It doesn't make sense. Not to any of us. Right? But isn't that what happens in the church? We say, God, the Father, I love you, but your children are messed up. And I don't love them. Like, we can't do that. That's not love. That's not right. So if you love the father, you love his child as well. Guys, we're the children of Christ. That sounds good. We say that and put that in verses and all that. It's wonderful. But do you see what that means? If we're really like, Lord, I love you. We're going to love people here. We're going to love each other. Like, two things we can't do. We can't say, Lord, I love you, but I don't love the church. I don't like your bride. You know, or Lord, I love you, but I don't like the children. Because they're difficult. All right, I'll be the first to admit, the church is not perfect. The church is flawed. All right, we've got our issues. All right, every church does. 
partly because it's made up of us who are not perfect, who are flawed, right? But this is the bride of Christ. Jesus died for this church. He loves this church. So if we're going to love the Father, we have to learn to love each other, even though they're different from us. But that's the thing. Uh, Yesterday I was teaching um, some of our Air Force personnel about strength finders. Anybody strength finders? You know, one of the online inventories or a book. You answer a bunch of questions, and out of 34 words, it kind of says, here are your top five words, you know? And um, one of the stats with that 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 strength finder says is that you're so unique, right? The odds are, here's the odds, of someone who has those same five words in the same order is like one in 33 million, right? That really, it's like there's like 212 people on this world that are just like you, that have those same, you know, words. That's not a lot of people. And so many times we say, I just want to find a church that's just like me. I want to find people just like me. I'm like, you know how hard that is? There are not people. There's like 212 people just like me, and I don't know where they are. I'm never going to find them, and I don't want to be in a church like that. But they're just like me. That'd be a messed up church too. We need the diversity. We need each other. So why do we stop? Stop running around saying they're different. I, I don't know how to love them. We gotta learn how to do that. And that brings joy to God's uh, to His face. I'm sure it does. See, when we love each other, there's two things that happen from Scripture. Well, I, we see that one that we are His disciples. Jesus said that. In John 13, 35, he says, but everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another, right? How are we to show the world, you know, that we're disciples, that we're followers of Jesus? By loving each other. If I were to give you homework, if I said, go home today, come back next week, um, I need you to write down five things that really, that you can, you know, this is how you show God you love him. You know, what are the five things that you do to, to prove to God that you love him? What would you write? Listen, I, I know what most of us would write. First thing on the list, I gotta read the Bible. <laughs> read the Bible. All right, read the Bible every day. Okay. Um, second thing, we gotta we gotta pray. Pray every day. Pray, you know, lots or whatever. That's how I, I show God I love Him. Uh, third thing, probably most of us would write. Uh, go to church. Yeah, you know, I gotta come to church regularly. Um, then the next two, you know, I don't know, serve or evangelism. Um, uh, take care of animals, be nice. I, you could, you know, maybe uh, four and five would be a little bit different, but probably most of us would have those things. Um, in, in fact, this is why it's a challenge to me, because that's what I even said this week. I had coffee with a friend, an older, older man, and this is one of the, one of the, the men that would always ask in, in my life, he asked me, like, how are you growing in the faith? What does Jesus do in your life? How are you growing? And... Um, when he asked me that question, you know what the first two things I said were? Well, I'm reading my Bible. In my little Bible reading plan, I have 622 check marks. I'm killing it. I'm doing great. And I'm, I'm praying. I'm praying a lot, you know, for my family, for the church, and for others. And I just, it, it just dawned on me. Like, I mean, those are important. Don't get me wrong. All of those things are important. But those are not the end. Those are the means, right? That's not how we, we show God I love you by having 622 check marks. I did it. See, I love you. I did it. Those are not, that's not the end. 
The end is like, how do you love God? What's he say? Love me and love each other. Let your heart be transformed. Let hate and all of those other things, apathy, be taken out. And let it change by love and by loving one another. And so I could have, I could have said, um, how am I growing? Well, I'm here with you. I'm here in community and praying with you and having this, this meeting. That's how I'm showing my love. I'm not doing other things. But I'm here together with another saint talking about the, the love of God. Nowhere in Scripture does he say, by this all will know you're my disciples if you attend church, wear your nice clothes, take off your hat when you pray, put a lid on your coffee so you don't spill in the pews. That's how people will know that you love me. It's not what it says. It doesn't say, if you love me, obey my commands and fast once a week, sacrifice. Like again, all, all these are they're good things. They're important things. But they're not the end thing. If you love me, you'll follow my commands. What are my commands to love the people that I put in your life? There's a, um, there's a great passage in Mark 12 where uh, a Pharisee is talking with Jesus. And I, I like it because um, normally Pharisees don't get a pat on the back, you know, like a, a good job. Usually the Pharisees are, you know, Jesus says, oh, you're so far from the kingdom of God. But in Mark 12, there's a Pharisee and Jesus says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far. Uh, Jesus was talking. He was listening. The Pharisee asked him, says, out of all the commandments, what's most important? Remember what Jesus says. He says, uh, the Lord God is one. You know, you're to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Right? And then he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. But what's, so you've heard that. But what's interesting is what the Pharisee says. He says, you're right that the Lord is one. And you're right to say that loving God and loving each other is more important than sacrifice and ritual. Do you hear that? Loving each other, loving God, is more important than sacrifice and ritual. The reason why Jesus says you are not far from the kingdom of God is because most Pharisees would say, what is more, you're wrong, Jesus. What's more important is sacrifice and ritual than loving each other. That's how most of the Pharisees lived. And that's how most of us live. Our sacrifice, our ritual is more important than the love that we have for each other. So John, writing this, is saying you have to understand that when we talk about love and about how we love God, it happens here in relationships. You show your love for God by loving the children. Right? How do you show the love of the children? By loving the God. It's a, it's, it's a cycle that comes together. And this, this is our, our, our love, but it's also how we obey. The third birthmark is obedience. Our lives are marked by obedience to God's command. And uh, in case you're thinking, oh, now we're going on a different way, we're not. These are tied so closely together, right? Really, they're the same. Look in verse 2. It says, this is how we know that the love of, uh, how we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is a love for God. To keep his commands. His commands are not burdensome. Three times in that section when it talks about love, it says you are to follow the, the Lord's commands. Right? Do what he says. Right? So the question is, what are his commands? If you were to 
open your Bible program. If you're open, uh, uh, you know, kind of a, a search on the Bible and you write in commands what Jesus said, you know what you're going to get? I'll tell you what you're going to get. In Matthew 22, Jesus says, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So what's the command? Love God, love your neighbor, right? I already shared that one. Here's one in John 13. A new command I give to you. Right out of Jesus' lips. A new command I give to you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. You can tell a whole uh, a lot of reasons why people should believe in God, but here he says this. This is how they'll know when you have love for one another. That's my command. In John 15, my command is this. All right, what's he going to say? All right, shocker, love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down your life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. In verse 17, this is my command, love one another. Okay, there's his commands. In the last, uh, in, in Matthew 28, the last words that he says, he says, I need you to go around the world, teach them what? To baptize them and then teach them to obey my commands. What are the commands? To love one another. That's the command we get. Yes, there's a lot that in the Sermon on the Mount about our hearts, right, and having the right perspective and, and doing this and that. But when, when Jesus says, here's what I'm commanding you, he's saying, do this. Love each other. Love God. Love each other. Because I've loved you, love others around you. And you say, that's hard to do. That's really hard to do. Do you know the people around me? <laughs> people are, are stubborn and, and self-centered and all that. I, yeah, and so are you. But Jesus still had a, found a way to love you. And he says, love others like I have loved you. So you can't say that. We have to get over that. But, but you say, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to follow his commands. But Jesus knew it would be hard. And here's what he did. He says in, verse, in John 14, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. We're not to love each other just on our own power. He's saying, I know it's going to be hard. Darn near impossible. So I'm giving you the Holy Spirit to help you with that. Now pay attention and listen. And listen when he's saying, you're not being loving. You're not being kind. Or you need to be more patient. Or you need to be more thoughtful. Listen. He's speaking to us. You're not on your own. You know, a few months ago, I gave an illustration of driving out to Riverside in the morning when the sun's coming up and you're on the 91 freeway and all of a sudden all those little lines that divide the lanes are gone. You can't see them, right? Do you remember that? Some of you were here. I was shocked at how many people were like, oh, yeah, I, I, I work in Riverside. I, I experience that every day. There's a lot of you that do. Um, and it's like, I remember just like every time I do that, I'm just like looking at the car in front of me, just stay focused, stay in front of that car, right behind that car, and hope that every, nobody's like texting, and I hope that everybody's paying attention. Um, but I, I went out there this, on Friday and Saturday, and things changed. You know what happened? I got a new car. I got a new car with lane assist. Like, <laughs> this is amazing. 
Like, I was so, like, way more relaxed driving. I'm still, like, not, you know, nine and three, still paying attention and all that. But I'm like, I have lane assist. If I, if I start to, you know, veer or if I can't see the lane, my car's going to, like, go beep, 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 and, like, jerk me back into the middle, into the middle of the narrow road, right? If I go too far this way, if I don't see the line, it's like, beep, 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 and it's going to move me back. And I was like, that's just like so much like the spirit in our life. Like we're, we're going along the way. And when we start to go off the straight and narrow, it's the beep, 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 get back. And it's, we can either pay attention to that or we can say, nah, I'm going to go anyway and take my chances. And we do that so often. But man, if I'm like, for all of you guys driving out to Riverside, please get lane assist. Like you need it. In the same way, for all of you who are following the Spirit, if you say you love the Lord, lean on the Spirit. Because it is hard. It's hard to love each other. Just look around. Look at us. We've got all of us got our issues. God knew it. He says, I'm giving you the Spirit. He's going to help you love and take care of each other. It's that important, you guys, that he gave us the Spirit to help us obey his commands. What are his commands? To love one another. I started this sermon talking about birthmarks, saying what would birthmarks look like if we had them as Christians. And I said, if you asked John, we'd probably have the birthmark of a heart. And um, actually, here is another picture. See that little, little kid, little heart birthmark? That's what I think we should look like. You know, it wouldn't be wonderful when we come to Christ, we get this little heart right here. <laughs> One, we'd know who the other Christians are, and we'd like, oh, I gotta, you're a Christian, great, I, I'm going to love you that way. It'd also tell us, who needs love? You know? Who needs love? But for us, those birthmarks, like believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, like not just once, but every day, just saying, Lord, I'm trusting you with my life. I need you in my life. I, I need you to help me love, to love the people that you put around me. And as I love them, I love you. And I just want to be obedient to what you ask. And you ask us to love others. So I want to do that. So give me the birthmarks of a belief of love and obedience. What would the church look like if we did that? Think about it. Like, what would it look like? What would Ambassador Church look like? What would we do? If we had that birthmark, if we were really driven by that, to compassionately love our neighbors, to love them in a tangible way, because God has loved us, we want to love others. What would it be like if we were motivated by that love and that care? No matter what we do, no matter where we serve and who we talk to, we do it because we're motivated by love. And we do it because we believe we have faith in the Lord. What would it look like? I want to find out. I want to find out. I know our elders want to find out. Our staff wants to find out. And I hope you do too. Let's do it. But in order to do it, we can't forget this. We can't forget it. We're going to end First John soon and we'll move on to some other things. But let these words stay in your mind. Let it repeat. That we are born of God. We are born of Christ. Therefore, let us love one another. Let us love because we have been loved. 